So week, week five of seven, and uh, I, I got to speak or get to speak this morning on the fun of adventure. How many believe serving God's fun? And can be fun. And so we're going to just talk about that a little bit this morning. But you're going to hear it from the filter of... Uh, any, anybody remember the, uh, the four personality types that uh, back in the day Gary Smalley put together? And so there was the leadership of the lion, the diligence of the beaver, the loyalty of the golden retriever, and the uh, foolishness of the otter. <laughs> Hallelujah for otters. And, and so as I've taken this test through the years... I've scored high otter, uh, and uh, that, that's coming more into balance as I get older. Thank you, Jesus. And Jan says amen. And, and so uh, this morning, you're going to hear about the fun of adventure, but probably filtered a little differently, maybe through my perspective. Um, growing up, when I was in college, even actually it started way before that, junior high into high school, my twin brother and I, uh, you know, fun, I would say for me at least, fun was my God, little G, and uh, I just pursued things that were fun. And so toys and sports and different activities, I would often say when somebody asked me to do something, I would say, is it going to be fun? That was my filter. Or I would say, let's go for it. That'll be fun. And then and at 21, I uh, received Christ, and Tom Weigel was an influential guy in my life that helped disciple me, and he started making me aware of how often I would say, well, that'll be fun, or that should be fun, and he said, Mike, as you're growing up, that shouldn't be your main filter, and, and then as a disciple of Jesus, you know, I, I was concerned that God would take away all my fun. Actually, that was one objection I had to Christianity growing up. I was raised in a religious home, and and uh, talking about serving Christ was always like serious business. And, you know, I appreciate that. And it was about diligence and faithfulness and ritual. And, and some of those key thoughts to me were like, this is going to stifle my life. This is, and, and I knew it was important. I knew as I received Christ that, that you know, things that would be, require discipline, those are important things. That there, there was probably going to be a shift, but I had this internal thing that, Serving Jesus wasn't going to be fun, and boy, was I wrong, and so for 40 years into this now, I would say I'm having the best time of my life in this season, and part of it is just still uh, allowing God to work adventure in us and through us, and he knows our personality types. He knows what excites us and keeps us and, and produces passion in, it, in us, so how, how many in here are, are still thrilled with a little fun of adventure? Anybody? So even in this frequent, you know, the, the scripture, the reference we've used, Pastor Jeff's used, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I think adventure has a fragrance. I, I think when you, you get around people that are, um, they, they enjoy challenge, they enjoy uh, stepping out of comfort zones, taking a little risk, moving forward, I think that has a fragrance to it. And I believe as we've been looking at the book of Acts, that fragrance would be in the book of Acts as people begin to move into the plan of God and the will of God for their lives. Anybody believe that this morning? So just let's look at a few things together. This is in uh, the Gospels, and I believe Jesus called his guys to adventure. And here they're fishermen. We, we get into Matthew 4 when Jesus is calling the 12, and, and this is how it's stated there. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew. 
And they were throwing a net into the water, for they'd fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw the two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too, and they immediately followed him, leaving their boat. And who else did they leave behind? Father behind. And so Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And the yellow says this, read it with me, and whatever their sickness or disease, or they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him. Wherever he went, people from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea and from the east of the Jordan River. So if we put those passages together, we can see this. These guys were fishermen, and I don't know how much they knew about Jesus, but when he came and called them, they, they were willing to walk away and risk it all to be with him. We don't know, you know, when he first made that invitation, if that invitation was with, hey, guys, just come with me for a week. And see what it's going to be like. Don't know if it was a short-term ask, but we know from the Gospels it turned into a long-term commitment. And because I believe when, when they left fishing nets and, and a, a possible future business and an inheritance, when they left the fishing legacy, there was something about the ministry of Jesus that was attractional that made them say, whatever we've been doing, it's worth it to depart from that because being with Jesus, man... There's, there, there's something new every day. There's something different going on. We're, we finally, we've, we're connected to this supernatural realm where there's authority and when there's power. And how many believe when epileptics are being cured or demon-possessed are being delivered, would that be just a little bit of fun? Would, would that just be a little bit of excitement? Then you got anything? Nope. You got anything? Nope. And, and here they're following the master and they're following and seeing things. And, and so we, we got to back up a little bit and say, what is our definition of fun? If we're talking about the fun of adventure, then what would our definition of fun be? What's that? Beat up on the enemy? That's a blast. <laughs> I've been involved in that a few times where, where yeah, where you're, you're you know, you're, see the, the enemy strongholds break, people getting delivered. You know, I've been in a few places where it is. It's a spiritual demonic encounter. Still remember being in Oceano. This was several years ago now, and a friend, Galen, called me, said there's a young lady, and uh, she's tormented with fear, and I just need some backup, someone to come and pray. When I came in his little office, she was twitching, and she was shaking, super nervous to be there. And, uh, but the presence of God was so tangible in the room and I've been in power encounters with those things, but this was a love encounter. So when we began to pray, the presence of God just, you know, she was fearful and she was just kind of shaking. But within a few minutes, her countenance began to change. Even the color, I can still see the color of her face changing right now. In a little while, as we just got her to pray with us and renounce those things, just an amazing peace came over the place and a smile came on her face. Now tell me that's not fun. To see, to see people getting set free from stuff. And, and the guys that are used to fishing, this was a new way to fish. This was a whole new you know, uh, school to, to go after as, as they followed Jesus. 
And he invites you and me into a taste of those things. He, in, he invites you and me that have set ourselves up in a culture that you know, pursues comfort and pursues other things. He, he invites us into that kind of adventure just like he invited his disciples. Do you believe that, church, this morning? So here we get in a little farther along. So he trains the 12, and in Luke's gospel, we get to this place. After the 12, he goes for 70. And, and he appoints these, these 70. It says here in 10.1, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And then the 70 returned with joy. Read that yellow with me. Then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But, but this, this next passage right here, he says this, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Verse 21, read it with me in the yellow. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. In the literal Greek, in verse 21, in that hour Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. That word rejoice, you know what it means? He danced around excited. He, he was thrilled. They get it. Father, we've trained them and they get it. And now they're in, involved in fishing for lives and changing people's lives. He was excited. And sometimes we think about the, you know, the, the intensity of those battles and Jesus dealing with difficult, broken people. Some of us can carry the mindset that it was always heavy, that it was always burdensome. But when we read this, he sees people set free. He dances around and rejoices. And he wants us to celebrate the same way when people are being set free, when people are being helped. In the parable of the lambs, uh, uh, the, leaving the 99 for the one, if you read it in Scripture... It says the, the good shepherd, when he uh, left the 99 and chased down the one, says when he found it, he, he put it on his shoulders and he was rejoicing. And then he went back to his friends rejoicing and say, the lost lamb is found. Celebrate with me. Be joyful with me. And so this adventure of fun, this adventure that he invites us into, you know, sometimes it just seems challenging, seems like difficult, seems like work, seems like too much weight, too much risk. When what he's inviting us into, when we, when we can capture that and say, God, there, there's going to be joy in this serving you. Yeah. God, there's going to be a delight in serving you. That's what, that's what I put up my friend, and he's been to our church, Pastor Billy Graham Palouse. He pastors in southern India, Ramaswaram, actually all over India. But when, when you read this passage of the 70 sent out, last time he was here, I don't know if he brought the video clip to the whole church, but I watched it with him. And he's got this team that goes out and, you know, they listen for the cry of the tormented in the neighborhoods. He brought, he said, we heard a scream coming from like the alleys and we're going around and looking in the sheds. Where's the scream coming from? Where? And they finally found where the guy had been chained up in this shed because he was so demonized. And his team breaks into the shed and sets the guy free and then the video starts rolling. And, and in the video rolling, his countenance is different. He's, he's starting to change. They're bringing him food. And you can see on the video, just in a few minutes, this joy that's coming on his face. And the rest of the team's flat out exciting, thinking about fishing. Look what we caught. We caught a demonized guy in a shed, and now he's free. And now he's free. And, and to have that kind of, you know, passion that says, Lord, now we're on an, a fishing expedition with you. 
last service, Steve Moore was with us. He he's fishes locally. He was in our church. Now he moved to Oregon. I blamed him for coming down catching California fish. So go back up the coast and get your own salmon. But, but, he's, but, but he's fishing for salmon right now. And salmon haven't been in for a while. And he got 115 of them yesterday, 10 pounds or more. That's some good fishing. And, and when, you are, when you're fishing for you know, lives, when you're fishing for changed lives, people that are, that are stuck and they're messed up and they need help and they need hope and, and God invites us into that, it should be a joyful thing. Amen, church? So now we go to the book of Acts. And Pastor Jeff has been using examples from the book of Acts as we've been in this adventure series. But this guy, man, if I was going to hang around with somebody in the, in the book of Acts, Philip would be kind of a fun guy to be around. Because in Acts chapter 6, when he gets called, he's a deacon. And it says in Acts chapter 6, the church is growing. Things are getting busier. I mean, now there's complaints coming. It's, excuse me, it's so big that... Some of the poor people and the people that we were serving with food, they're getting neglected. So they said, let's pick some people to help. And, and you can read there, Philip was one of those deacons that got picked. The qualifications even for a table worker then or a, a helper then was that they'd be filled with the Spirit. And so that's a good qualification for anybody serving Jesus, that you'd be filled with the Spirit. Amen? And so here it says, uh, Philip began to serve. And next thing you know, he's, he's moving in signs and wonders and People are even coming around and following him. Well, now we fast forward to Acts chapter 8, and uh, we see what the Lord wants to do with him. But I highlighted some words that I want you to pay attention to because this is how adventure begins with a lot of us or for a lot of us. So it says, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, some of us, you know, maybe we don't hear angels speaking to us on a regular basis or if you do, people probably question that. But it says, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the, the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. And the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophets Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside or beside the carriage. And Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? Now, through the years, I've been in situations not that dramatic, nor with those levels of authority. But, but often it just starts by a prompting from the Lord that says, go over, go over and talk to that person. They're being challenged. I remember years ago when our kids were small, after church, we took them to the park in Oceano. And uh, we're playing on the slide. And there was a lady sitting over at the picnic table here, and she was drinking beer, and she was just looked so serious, and I'm trying to spend time with my kids. But as I'm on the top of the slide, I hear the Lord say, go talk to her. And my first response was, no, I'm tired, really. I didn't really argue with him. That's what I'm thinking. You, that never happens to anybody else, but where you, you wrestle with obedience because you really don't want to be dis, you know, put out. And so that voice was just consistent, go talk to her, go talk to her. Well, Philip finally got up the courage, and he went over, and he asked her a question and said, uh, hey, what are you reading? For me, it was, man, you just look like you're kind of discouraged. You're sitting here by yourself. And so what happens next here in, in this dialogue, the man from Ethiopia said to Philip, who is this early preacher talking about in the book of Isaiah himself or someone else? So Philip started with the part of the holy writings and preached the good news of Jesus to him. 
to this lady, I, I went over and, and when I began to talk, she began to cry. And I still remember asking her her name and she wouldn't give me her name. So I just put my hand on her shoulder. I didn't tell her I was a pastor. Just she saw me with my wife so it didn't look creepy or nothing. And I, 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 I just began to pray for her. And within a couple seconds, she blurted out her name. Ah, it was Margaret. Ah, she just blurts out her name. So I, I keep praying and she finally calms down. And she said she was there drinking because she was going to go take her life right after that. She, she was discouraged, some family things. She just started unloading. Jan came. But just a few minutes as we began to pray, pray for her and talk to her, she sobered up like instantly like that. In a few minutes, she was in the car with us, and we took her back to her daughter's house, and it just turned into an amazing little reconciliation thing. But it started because of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And, and here he says, as they won the way, they came to some water. And so, and the man from Ethiopia said, see, here is water. What is to stop me from being baptized? Philip said, read that with me. If you believe with all your heart, you may. Here's a heads up today. We got a baptismal tank out front. If you haven't been baptized, part of our obedience as Christians is to do what scripture asks us to as a sign of this inward change that we be baptized and the eunuch right away said, what, what's stopping me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you can. The man said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. They stopped the bat wagon. They both, Philip and the man from Ethiopia, went down in the water, and Philip baptized them. Pretty cool stuff. And I think part of adventure is baptizing people and being able to do it in different places. So here's a depiction of this guy, and Philip's got a smile on his face. That, that's pretty fun stuff. I was just kind of minding my own business. And the Lord began to speak, and now I'm baptizing this Ethiopian authority. Who knows what's going to happen from here on out? So he baptizes him, and then this is the part I like, and I wish I had this travel package. Um, and when they came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit took Philip away. And the man from Ethiopia did not see Philip again, and he went on his way full of joy. Look what happened to the guy that was baptized. He went on his way full of joy. How many think Philip went on his way full of joy? But look at verse 40. Philip found himself at the city of Azotus. Then Philip went through all the towns as far as the city of Caesarea preaching the good news. So he gets involved in this God adventure, God encounter. He baptizes this guy and poof, he's in another city. And I so much wish flying back from Nepal, I could be poof back in California. <laughs> It was a 15-hour layover in China. It took me like 40-some hours to get home. Not only that, China Southern Airlines. Here's the screen in front of you. And then the guy tilts himself back, and then you tilt yourself back, and you're eating with chopsticks like this, trying to eat the noodles. It was like, Jesus, help me. If you could do that, I would go full-time. I'd go full-time if you could just get me from here to there. Anybody with me? Yeah. Well, that's the Phillips travel package. But I just want to come to this other part and then just challenge you with a couple things and we'll wrap it up. Anybody ever read Wild at Heart book, men? I know they have did some things for women uh, connected to that. It was in 2001 this book came out and uh, I, was, I was going to Cambodia, I think it was my second time, and I grabbed that book on the way. And uh, John Eldridge, you know, let's see if I can find the quote, but can probably quote it to you. He says, in, in the heart of every man, he's looking for a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. And, and, and he makes the case just about church in the 21st century, 20th century back then, and well, 21st century coming into the 21st century. 
that often the goal of our Christianity now is to, in a sense, sometimes emasculate men. Just want you to, the goal, the goal of a good Christian man is that you be kind and you be nice, and those are good qualities for sure. But it's like, guys, don't, don't think about that other stuff that used to drive your soul. Join the grandstands. Sit in the grandstands and become a spectator. Just become one that comes to listen. Become a consumer. That you come and you just listen and that you come and you just receive and you, you become domesticated. You, you know the rituals. You, you know how it's all supposed to work. But the idea that there could be challenges... The idea that you could risk, and I'm not talking about doing crazy stuff, but that you would be activated and called upon and willing to engage in something bigger than just the comfort zone of American life, something resonated. And I was still, and it hits me now, I was flying somewhere over the Pacific. I don't know what time it was. I was just engaged in this book. I began to weep in the plane. I remember just praying a prayer to God. God, don't ever let me get there where I'm more concerned about my comfort than your kingdom. Amen. That I'm more concerned about my, my own well-being, my own life, my own you know, future stuff that, that God don't let me get to the place where I just feel like I'm an emasculated spectator in this thing you're doing. I want to be all in. I want to be part of the adventure. Lord, I want to be part of what you're doing. And based on that prayer and other prayers, I'm never bored. There's, there's always something going on. And sometimes too much and out of fault, I say yes to too many things sometimes. But even over the last few weeks, I did a men's camp in Oregon. Man, what a powerful, powerful time with a great group of guys. And I don't think I shared it from the pulpit. The one guy who got saved at the church just came through a difficult thing. His wife and him split up, and his little three-year-old son was murdered by this, his ex-wife's new husband. The guy went on a bender for several years, drinking and drugging, and he had just gotten sober. He showed up to church that morning. We just had come off a men's camp. My last message at men's camp was on search and rescue, going after guys that are broken. As I gave the altar call, and the guy came up, and I, he asked if he could share just briefly, and the pastor came up, and he shared how this is tur turmoil has been bothering him, and somebody invited him to church. He said, I need to get this out of my heart. And the guys from the men's group came up and got around him, and they did what we talked about. They went to rescue mode to help this guy. When, when we say, Lord, put us on an adventure, he will. He'll do it. He'll do it. And I don't know about you, that brings joy to my soul, seeing broken people come back to Christ, seeing, seeing them be set free, seeing them be put back on the right path, seeing them be encouraged when they've been discouraged. And so th this call to us to, to enter into adventure, I believe, I believe it's from him. And I know there's different personality types. I know there's different definitions of fun. I was sharing earlier that we were on a cruise ship once, and Dr friend of ours that was on that ship when it was for fun time I know he went in and he was putting together a PowerPoint on nutrition or something and a couple of the rest of us went up to the water slide trying to figure out how fast we could go down the water slide and both of them would probably be fun to other people 
For me, we figured it out. I went so fast at the end, I skipped across the pool and crammed in the step, and I ended up with a bruise this big on my backside. That's the cost of going for fun. Some would say foolishness, but guilty sometimes. But anyway, when, we're, when you think about being invited into this adventure, I just got a couple things I just want to finish up with. If we're, if we're going to see this adventure, number one, you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. And for, for some of us, you know, when we think about comfort zone, I'm not, again, talking about putting your life on the line, although Billy Graham Palouse and his family on a regular basis are putting their life on the line. But what I'm talking about is so many of us, we put limits on our life by saying, well, I'd never talk to a stranger, or I wouldn't go for, to a place if I didn't know people there, or I would never stand up in front of a crowd and share my testimony and, and by confession of our mouth, we, we put limits on what we're saying God can do with our lives. We, we start, whether we admit it or not, there's this part of American culture that just wants to be comfortable. And we even pray. A lot of our prayer is focused on keeping me from discomfort, God. Oh, God, send me the air conditioning repairman I need. We, you know, we, we, we're, we're praying about things concerning our own comfort rather than things for the kingdom. We think we serve Jehovah Sofa, God our comfort, <laughs> instead of Jehovah Jireh, instead of Jehovah Shalom. We, we have a mindset of th- this God I serve is supposed to just make me comfortable. And you've heard it said the role, the role of preaching is to comfort the afflicted, but to afflict the comfortable. And, and so for some of us, this idea of God's got things for you, appointments for you, divine things he wants to do with you and through you, but you got to get out of your comfort zone. We started going, when Jan and I got married, we were leading our outreach team in the Bay Area. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of an extroverted guy, but that's not always been the way it is. When I was in, you know, even junior college and You'd have to go around and, and just introduce yourself or in even high school, what did you do for summer vacation? I mean, my heart would be pounding out of my chest with 12 people I had to talk to. And so God began to change some things and do some things. But even when we started in outreach, we, we got out of our comfort zone. And because of it, we saw some amazing things. I still remember being at Highland Hospital. It was the public hospital in Oakland. And at that time, they let us just go room to room and talk to people and pray for people. We went into this one room, and there was a young man so big, he was in two beds. He had some weird eating condition. His mom's in the room. This guy's in two beds. And just began to share with him just in kindness and share that we're there to offer prayer. And the presence of God came in the room so strong that his mom fell down on her knees, just fell down on her knees, and both of them received Christ right there. And it was just so powerful, and it was a sovereign thing that God did, and then we went outside the hallway, and there's a guy in a wheelchair, and he'd been following us, listening to our story, and he said, I want that same Jesus that you're talking about. He had been shot in a gang thing, and he's wheeling around, and he received Christ. And believe me, when I went in that hospital, you know, I was scared. It was uncomfortable. But how many know sometimes when you get out of your comfort zone, that's when the fun happens? You ever been whitewater rafting? Totally uncomfortable. You're strapped on, your legs are gripping, uh, water's flying, you're bouncing all over the place. And at the end of the run, you said, you, let's do that again. Let's do that again. We, we watch Amazing Race. Anybody watch Amazing Race? Last week, 
there's these guys, part of their adventure, they, they're on these, you know, bungee lines, and they're jumping into this gorge. And, I mean, this line, it looked like a couple hundred feet, and it goes down and whips you up and comes back. They were petrified. But I remember one girl standing there shaking, and she jumps down, and you just see the camera. She goes up the other side, and she's coming down, and she goes, this is the best day of my life, as she's going back down like here. And so when you get out of your comfort zone, and you, you take a little risk, and, and you, you, you allow God to use you in a new way, in a fresh way, there's some things could happen that'll, that'll change us, and it'll change other people. I hear Mihai saying, amen, he's been going other parts of the world on prayer teams, seeing God do miracles as he steps out of a comfort zone and believes that God wants to use him and use us. Tell your neighbor he wants to use you. And you don't have to go to the other side of the world to do it. You can do it in your neighborhood. I love this quote. This is Helen Keller. Blind. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. If anybody had a reason just to settle for status quo and, and the routine, she would have. But she chose adventure instead. Amen? The other part about adventure, you've got to be willing to get messy. This is... This is from the Woodleaf Christian Camp. This is something that Young Life does every year. And uh, they take this group of inner city kids and kids from different backgrounds and places. And uh, they, they're really, there's some farm kids out there and there's some inner city kids and they're from diverse backgrounds. But most of them don't know Christ. And they put them in all kinds of situations to get the walls to come down, to get camaraderie, feel a connection and a comfort level so they can share the gospel. And this thing was an absolute blast, but this was the messiest group game I had ever seen, and I've been at a lot of camps. And, 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 and they just let it get grimy and messy and dirty, and I, there was, I'm sure, mud every place. We were spectators, and we were getting muddy. And so, uh, the, the, but the, the idea that if you start stepping out, it's going to get messy. I mean, we've been in situations, you reach out with a good heart, especially sometimes in the addicted community, and... You reach out and you, you want to help somebody. And what started out like a quick encounter, pretty soon there's more needs and I have no place to stay. And Marcy knows about that, helping people out that way. When Jan and I were first married, remember Richard? We took Richard in our house, Richard C., I'll say. Met him at church from Ohio. Didn't have any place to stay that night. We invited him into our apartment. And he, he stayed and then a couple of days later, you know, still hadn't worked anything out, so... Okay, you can stay a little longer and what was a few days turned into several days. Then our phone bill showed up, was 300 and some bucks. He'd been calling around people in the United States on our phone and little by little, then pretty soon he was doing things at church, causing some problems at church, what seemed like we're just going to help him out for a little while, got pretty messy. We, we've had those things happen before. And what it makes us do sometimes when things get messy, we just want to back up. Friday morning, I was with my little seniors group over at the Mance on Marsh. There's eight or nine of them, and Gary's here today from that group. And we were talking about benevolence and helping people out. But we all started talking about when we got, get burned, how we just want to back up, how we just don't want to get involved anymore. We start just making generalizations about everybody's just trying to take your money instead of getting case by case makes us back up. Hey, when you're going to help people, it's going to get messy. When you start reaching out and say, God, I want to be part of the adventure, it gets messy. I still think in coming back from the mountains of Mexico, David Hogan's group, 
we were, we were coming out as we were trying to get back to the border to catch our plane, the truckers went on strike. And in the middle of these two highway intersections, they piled up a bunch of tires and built bonfires. We couldn't get through. So we got out with our backpacks, three of us, managed to get around that barrier. We got on the other side, and we flagged down a gremlin. You know what a gremlin car looks like? There's already four people in the gremlin. We have three guys with backpacks. They said, okay, we'll take you to the airport. I still remember my face pinned against the windshield <laughs> like this. And, and I, don't, I think it was about an hour. I just remember laughing hysterically. Said, how in the world did we, how did this happen? <laughs> it gets uncomfortable sometimes. It, it gets messy sometimes, but that's part of the adventure. That's why I laugh now. Back then, I really, maybe I laughed for a little while, but some of those things, you know, the food you eat and the stuff you go through sometimes in missions and how many times I've had to take antibiotics because of digestive things here and all, all that stuff. And, you know, someone, they won't even go overseas because they're afraid they're going to get the Montezuma's revenge. Oh, come on. Come on. You can take a modium and just get in the adventure. Right? The last thing here is just developing a hearing ear. And so I, I think part of that for all of us, not, not having to go overseas, but just in our neighborhoods and the people that God puts in our path, when we develop a hearing ear and we ask questions like, Lord, what's going on in this person's life? Lord, there's something up with their countenance. Just revealed to me, Lord, what, what's going on that I might be a help or might be able to, you know, Scripture talks about a word fitly spoken is like, what is it, a, like a, a silver, like a, a, there it is, apples of gold and settings of silver. Just that, that Lord, give me, give me the word in season that would encourage and lift that person. And, and having a hearing ear is part of the adventure when God starts to speak and he starts to show you things. And I don't, I don't know if Don and Sophie are here, but yesterday... Don uh, and Sophie text me. I think this, uh, I think I put a picture. Yeah, here she is. This is Jen in Leyte, the Philippines. And a few weeks ago, Jen called him, and she works in a rice factory. And Sophie's from the Philippines. And so I think she, they met her at a, a previous conference they did. But anyway, she's calling because she, she's got all kinds of allergies and illnesses from working in all the dust in the rice factory, and it turned into throat cancer. And so they called her a few weeks ago and began to pray. And she kept calling for more prayer, but they just didn't have a piece. You can even see on that picture kind of the swollenness on the side of her face. And so they, they didn't call her back. But Thursday, the Lord spoke to Don in the morning and said, call back Jen. So called back, and they're, they're texting back and forth. We're going to have a healing service on Wednesday, July 24th. Here, our, our home group's going to sponsor that. We'd love you to come. We're going to do it here. And, uh, but, and they'll share more details then. But he said the presence of God was just so strong on the phone that they prayed for her. She broke down crying, said the symptoms have all left. She's a worshiper. She wants her voice back. Her voice was coming back when they're talking. I mean, and that started with just a word of knowledge. Don't talk, go, don't call, don't call, don't call. It's time to call. And the presence of God came and, and turned things around. And for you and me and God's big adventure, develop a hearing ear and Cultivating an ear, a sensitivity to what he's saying to us can make all the difference in the lives of other people. Amen? So my last slide, this is what they prayed in Acts chapter 4. They didn't pray, God, make us comfortable. Actually, there's different things. Scripture says it comes and chokes the word of God, just the cares of this world, deceitfulness, riches, the lust for other things. It chokes the word. 
the, the Acts 4 church, they, they prayed this way. They prayed, God grant us boldness. And it says, when they'd finished praying, the place where they were gathered was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It was easy for them to speak the word of God. You know what helps us get out of the comfort zone? The Holy Spirit in us. He, he's the equipper. He's the one that encourages, strengthens us, opens doors for us, gives us the right things to say. So it's an openness to God and a willingness to get out of my comfort zone and a willingness sometimes to get a little messy. But the other thing is, Lord, empower me. Open doors. Let's go on an adventure together. Amen? Stand with me, and we're, we're going to close. Are you all right? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I venture to guess in this room there's, there's different definitions of fun. And fun, I think Jeff said earlier, it's the, the action part of joy. It's joy in action is what produces fun. And when we're doing your will and helping your people, there's something, Lord, that is fulfilling. And, and I pray that just our church family would not be intimidated by this, but be open and expecting. And where we put limitations on our personalities and what we'll do and not do. Lord, even those of us that have come from fearful backgrounds, God, I, I pray that that would begin to shift and, and ease off of us, Lord. That when we begin to engage, when we begin to step out, when we begin to love, when we begin to serve, it changes us. There's, there's shifts in our own personality. There's, there's things that you do in us, Lord, when we commit to engaging and we commit to adventure. And I pray that over our church family, Lord, would you bring us in to new adventures, new, new assignments, new things you want to do. I pray our church family be filled with stories, Lord, of how you've used us. It would be great joy to us, but God, more importantly, it would be great joy to you. I pray as you sent out the 70 and they came back with great reports as we could send out in our reach, teach, release, as we, we could just release people from here filled with your life and your love and your anointing, that we would come back with stories that would bring joy to your heart, Lord. So just as we're praying, if, if you would say, Mike, I, I, I just need a little bit more boldness in, in stepping into that adventure. I, I just need that. Would you raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. I, I just want to be engaged at a little different level. Lots of hands. I, I just want to be used more in, in those kind of assignments. Father, you see their hands, and I pray in Jesus' name, you just fill them fresh, Lord. Fill them fresh with zeal. Fill them fresh with compassion. Fill us fresh. Fill me fresh, Lord, with, with just a hearing ear, Lord, a discerning ear in the situations we find ourselves in, God. A hearing ear and the ability and the, just the wisdom to speak what you'd have us to speak. In Jesus' name. As we're, we're closing, prayer team, come on up. I just want to make one more call. This whole thing about adventure really starts with a relationship in Jesus Christ. It starts by knowing him, inviting him in. I, I tell you what, he is the one that orders steps and leads us into these things. I had a concept of what Christianity would be like. It's nothing like I thought. It's nothing like I thought. It's, it's rich. It can be challenging. But there's growth involved. There's purpose involved. It, it, it's... It's an amazing walk with God, and in the end, it's eternal life. Well, eternal life starts now, but in the end, we live forever with him. And so if you don't know Jesus this morning, or maybe you've drifted away, 
God forbid it would happen, but if you would leave today, and, and God forbid that would happen, but if something happened to you, do you know for sure where you'd spend eternity? And I remember growing up, and they'd say, well, you'll find out when you die. It's too late then. You need to know now. You need to know ahead of time, and you can. Scripture says in John 1.12, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the privilege to become children of God. It's about receiving what Christ has done. It's not about my works. It's not about my effort. It's not about my mission trips. It's not about my stories. It's about what Jesus has done. It's his story. It's his cross. He paid the price for you and me. And we accept that gift when we receive Jesus into our heart. And that starts the adventure. And I'm just going to invite you as, as we're closed. If you, you need to receive Christ or rededicate your life, please come up and talk to us. Or if you have questions about it. Maybe there's some, something that's just stuck that's, that's keeping you from just really fully committing, have a relationship with them. Come on up and talk to us. If you need power in your life, th this team will pray that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit, that you'd be strengthened. If you need to be healed, this team will pray with you that the Lord would, 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 would heal you as we're dismissed today. Amen? So, Father, I thank you for our assignments as we go, and thank you for being with us and over us, Lord, and opening doors for us. Thank you for this great adventure in knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.